welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. Praise the Lord. Well, you can be seated. I'm just going to get straight to it. God wants to do something here. Brother Matt, you can go ahead and you're good. You can go ahead and just hang out and yeah. Pastor said we can go an hour each, so we about to go like we got like till nine, so we're good. We're good. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's many stories in the Word that give and teach on God's. Miracles and his victories that have overcome when his children, his people believed in him. Some to just go over very briefly. Daniel 6, 15 to 21 talks about Daniel in the lion's den. It reads on verse 15, it says, Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember your majesty that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the king's ring of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his place and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. You see, the king and Daniel, they're... They, were, they had a good relationship, but because of certain situations, the king couldn't really interfere. He kind of had to do what the, the decree was said to put Daniel in, in this situation. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lion's? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Another story begins in Exodus 14. It says, but Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. This is when Moses and the Israelites were They fled Egypt and said, do not be afraid. Be strong and see how the Lord will save you today. For the Egyptians have not seen today. You will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have to, all you have to do is just keep still. And so God did fight for them. If you continue to read on to chapter 14, you'll see that God split the sea into two. He was able to let the Israelites flee through that open sea and get to the other side, leading to where they wanted to be. And then afterwards, the seas fell back down and just totally swallowed up Pharaoh's army, at least most of it. Daniel 3.19 also tells us another story of three men that were thrown into the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown into the fiery furnace, and it talks in Daniel 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with anger, and he looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with an angry face. He had the fire made even seven times hotter than it was, 
And he told certain powerful soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So you see they were tied up. They had no, they were bound. And to throw them into the fire. So the men that were tied up into their coats and head coverings and their own clothes and were thrown into the fire. But because the king had spoken that the fire was to be very hot, even the men that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire were also killed, were killed by the fire. The three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, on verse 23, they were still tied up when they fell into the fire. Verse 24 says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was very surprised and stood up in a hurry. He said to his leaders, Did we not throw three men into the fiery furnace? Did we not throw men who were tied up into the fire? They answered, That is true, O king. He said, Look, I see four men loose and walking about in the fire without being hurt. And the fourth one looks like the son of God. Praise the Lord. Four events, God in a miraculous way brought them out in events that I I can't imagine myself even being in. Has anybody been thrown into a lion's den this week? Like real lion's den. Show of hands. Been thrown into the fire furnaces besides outside the heat last week? Anybody? The situations that we come across in our lives are nothing in comparison to this. You may have issues at work, issues with your family, financial issues, but nothing like the things that they were dealing with then, but yet they still believed and trusted in him. Amen. Daniel and the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, both thrown into an uncontrollable situation. They had, but they had definitely had to have the peace of God. To be thrown in a lion's den. It didn't talk about Daniel screamed, he called at the rock or was yelling. It didn't even say that about Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach and Abednego. Say that five times. They were tied up, but yet they did not even... It didn't talk about they screamed or fought back, but yet they had a peace of God over them. They had to have had a peace of God over them. Moses and David, totally different situations and even different reactions to their circumstances. You see, while Daniel and the three men allowed to be brought to their death due to them believing in their God, it was them accepting death for the one they believed in. Their faith in the Lord our God kept them safe in the end. Well, on another note, David didn't just stand there and accept death. There was a passage I left out with David and Goliath with the, I'll read it here. It says, 1 Samuel 17, it says, And David said, The Lord who saved me from the foot of the lion and from the foot of the bear will save me from the hands of the Philistine. You see, this time he was presented with the giant And nobody would stand up to him. Nobody. Not even skilled soldiers would attempt to fight this giant. But if you skip down to verse 47 on chapter 17, it says, All these people gathered here may know that the Lord does not save with the sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into your hands. 
Verse 48 says, And the Philistine rose up and came to meet David. And David rushed to the center of the valley to meet the Philistine. David put his hand into his bag, took out a stone and threw it, and hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone went into his forehead, and so he fell on his face to the ground. As I had said earlier, says that Moses and David, a totally different situation and even different reactions to their circumstances. While on another note, David didn't just stand there and accept death, although he knew that maybe that giant could crush him. See, it wasn't a bear, it wasn't any other animal he's fought, but this was a giant way bigger. There's still a possibility that that giant could have crushed him, but he was still willing. Although he knew that the giant could crush him, he knew a God greater than if he could just focus his faith and allow his strength to come from God, he knew he could defeat Goliath. Moses knew God sent him there to free his people. And even though Pharaoh sent his army after them, when they, were all, when they all fled Egypt, Moses kept on going and led his people. And the impossible happened when he split the sea in two to allow them to cross over the sea. And it devoured the armies after them. You see, everyone in these events all had an understanding and truly believed in their God. Daniel and the three men were willing to die for their God. Or like Moses and David, they chose action to take action to live for their God. Luckily today, we don't get threatened, as I mentioned, and get thrown in lion's den and fiery furnaces. But I want to give you a word today, church, and says. But in order to be where God needs us to be, that place where they had the peace, that place where they had the courage, we first need to die for him. Spiritually, in our flesh, how do we die for him? Surrender our flesh to him. Pray, read the word, fast. These are things that when we begin to open up ourselves to him, we'll begin to die. The word says die daily. When we begin to choose his will over our will. Matthew 16, 24 says, Jesus said to his followers, if anyone wants to be my follower, he must forget about himself and he must take up his cross and follow me. Luke 14, 27 says, if he does not carry his cross and follow me, he cannot be my follower. And beyond just dying for him and giving him ourselves and, and choosing his will over our will, it is then when we can begin to live for him. Philippians 19 through 26 reads, and this is Paul speaking, because of your prayers and the help the Holy Spirit gave me, all of this will turn out for good. I hope very much that I will have no reason to be ashamed. I hope to honor Christ with my body if it be by my life or by my death. I want to honor him without fear now and always. To me, living means having Christ. To die means that I will have more, more of him. If I keep on living here in this body, it means that I can lead more people in Christ. I do not know which is better. There is a strong pull from both sides. I have a desire to leave this world to be with Christ, which is much better, but is more important for you that I stay. 
I'm sure I will live to help you grow and be happy in your faith. This will give you reason to give more thanks to Christ Jesus when I come visit you again. You see, God, Paul was talking to the people, and he's telling them his story about when he basically got captive. He, got cap- he eventually ended up in prison. He was in prison in chains, bound, Paul and Silas. You see, Paul and Silas were in chains, and they knew that anything could happen. They could die. They could stay there forever and still die. They were ready to die for their God. But they chose to live once they started to sing praises to him. Once they started to get loud with their worship and begin to sing praises to him, they decided, I'm not going to just be here and accept this circumstance even though I know God's going to come through all for the good, but I'm going to also give praises and worship to him. They chose joy over their circumstance. Amen. Church, we were not just meant to die for him, to live in a cycle of dying daily for him, but God has intended us to live for him, to live in him. How do I live in him? How do I live for him? By sharing your testimony to somebody that does not know God. To friends, co-workers, telling this world about Jesus. That's living for Jesus. That is living in Jesus. A life of joy and full, complete fulfillment. When you begin to get past the dying part and that cycle of repentance and that cycle of God, I'm not worthy. And that cycle of just constantly dying daily then you can begin to tap into the promise God has for you. You see, God didn't intend David to just be a shepherd with some stones and a sling. But his plan was to make him king over a nation. You see, God didn't intend you to live paycheck to paycheck or to struggle with anxiety or depression all the time. But yet you see, God has tended his children to live in peace and have joy, a sound mind to be taken care of and to have more than we can even ask or imagine. But you see, it's not until we surrender our will and die to God is when he can, it's when we can fully live for God. It is not until we surrender our will and die to God as we can, is when we can fully live for God and God will work in our lives to help take us to the place where he has intended us to be. If we don't, and if we stay in that place of just constantly dying daily, we will live in a circle of imprisonment of whatever we are dealing with, a never-ending loop of why Why can't I overcome this? Am I not good enough? Will God ever fulfill this promise in me? You see, we leave God out of the equation and we try to do it all on our own. With our own ability. We try to fight the battle without him being by our side. As I come to a close... We have to remember 
and tell ourselves every day, we do not have God in our hands, but it is him that has us in his hands. You see, like Daniel, we need to trust him. Like the men in the fiery furnace, we need to believe in him. Like Davis, like David, we need to find strength in him. And like Moses, we need to tell the enemy, enough is enough, and I'm going to flee from the enemy to live for Jesus. Because if God can be for us, who can be against us? Amen. We're going to read from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. And uh, probably going to go down into verse 7. It says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Over the past couple weeks, I've been uh, praying and doing personal devotion, and uh, there was one word that kept coming to my mind over and over, and I kept thinking on it and reading the Bible, go see where it talks about it and think about it some more. And that one word is stirred. Paul's talking to Timothy here, and he's telling him to stir up the gift of God that is in him. Now, we've heard that preached on I mean, I've been to church my whole life. I've heard that preached on countless times. But then I started to think as a church, I would dare say this whole year, uh, about 90% of the year, we've been stirred up as a church, whether it's personally, as a whole body. We've heard sermons on what an apostolic church should look like, going deeper, that God's calling this church deeper. And also services on where God was calling for people to heal them, whether it was physically, in their mind, in their body, in their spirit, whatever. There's been a great stirring that's been going on in this church. So a few questions that I have for us as a body, and this shouldn't come across as a rebuke, it should come across as just a reminder for everyone. Is it enough to just be stirred up? Is it enough just to come in here on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, any other time? And feel the Holy Ghost and to sing a couple songs, have our prayer answered, and then go home. Because this church has had great promises told to it over and over and over again. There have been great men of God that have stood in this platform and have told us that God has great things for us. So also with that, we have to be careful not to get content in just being stirred up. We have to be very, very careful not to just be satisfied with coming in here on a Sunday, feeling a few goosebumps and going, wow, that was a really good service. The Holy Ghost moved. All right, let's go on to Monday. And then next thing we know, we're in this cycle of just coming in, feeling the Holy Ghost, going home, coming in, feeling the Holy Ghost, go home. And it's just this repeating cycle, and we're actually not advancing forward and doing anything. We're just happy with feeling good. So if we're not careful... We'll just settle down. We won't advance. Because just because we're starting to feel stirred up and things are changing, you guys can sit down, sorry. I uh, was getting a look from over here and I was like, ah, that's what I'm missing. It's okay though. Brother Sal set it up good. You guys heard good word. We're good. 
No, I'm teasing. So it's not just enough to be stirred up because that doesn't mean that we're actually going to follow through on what God is calling us to. Emotion will sometimes get us going, but emotion will not uh, carry us through in the long haul when things start getting tough and God starts turning up the fire a little bit and like, all right, you've been doing really good. We're going to test it just a little bit more because I see a couple things right in there. Yep, you've been trying to hide those. Nope, I see those. And then he turns it up and he tries to burn it out. I, uh, I did actually... I don't know, pastor asked to Brother Sal and I do this a week ago, and uh, I was thinking about this, and I was like, okay, I th- may- yeah, maybe maybe that's what I'm going to teach on, and then he started, pastor started teaching on Wednesday, and I was like, oh yeah, that's it, and then I was started to second guess myself and go, oh, maybe that's not it, and then Brother Sal gets up here and pulling out instance after instance in the Bible where God was with them, he kept them, he helped them, he delivered them, and kept talking about how we shouldn't be afraid. And I was like, yep, that's it. So my final question, and the one that I still want to settle on here for a minute, well, statement over question, is we aren't doing this alone. And I want to settle on this one just simply because it's extremely easy to feel secluded sometimes, and that's actually just a complete lie of the enemy. There's no reason to feel secluded. There's no reason to be nervous, scared. Because in John chapter 15, Jesus makes a statement that for me just puts everything right where it needs to be. And I'm abbreviating, but you can go read it in John 15 chapter, or verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. When I was uh, taking some notes down and reading through this, I was like, remembered back to when the pastor was teaching the message on the mustard seed, and he was talking about the tree, planting our mustard seed and letting that grow into a tree. If he's the vine and we're the branches, when you have, I'm laughing because I've done this, had to do this before. When you have a good, healthy vine, and you have that main branch right in the middle, and you have other vines coming off of it, those vines will start to get intertwined to each other, and they'll get real, real close. And so if you go in and you just try to rip it off, it's not going to come out very easily at all. You're going to have a hard time. You're going to have to get a chainsaw, some axes. It is not coming out easily. So if we are the body of Christ, and he's the vine, and we're the branches, and we're connected to him continually, that would mean as a body, just by the nature of a vine, we're going to start growing together and getting real close with each other, and we're going to be just a fit unit of people who are after the same thing and who are after to see the promise fulfilled in this church. I've been in the Bay for, oh, right over a year, and life is crazy here. I mean, there is traffic all over the place. There's people everywhere, and if you're not careful, you'll start to feel a little bit alone. You'll start to feel, oddly enough, secluded because you'll get in your zone, and you're just going. I mean, you're, you're working, 
you're coming to church, you're being involved, you're in your zone, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, I haven't hung out with anybody in like a few weeks. That's not how this is supposed to be intended. We are supposed to be intended to be very, very finely knit together and connected to the body of Christ. Because here's the deal. All these promises that have been talked about for ever since we've been here, they're going to come to pass for this church. They're going to happen. This is not just people getting up here and going, hey, we have a promise. This is what God said. No, it's going to happen. It's already a settled fact in earth and in heaven. Because when God starts to speak, he doesn't speak and then go, how am I going to fulfill that? When he spoke, he already had it figured out from the first mention of the promise. So we need to, in a one, um, one mind, we need to start coming together as a body. And I felt that when I was putting this together, and I was putting it in order, and I was praying, that uh, just that one thing kept coming back to mind. We need to come together as a body. Now, I'm, now I'm not up here, you know, calling stuff out that's not done. I think we need to start to become more aware and intentional with staying connected, with praying together, with spending time with each other outside of this church, lifting each other up, helping each other. Because the Bible continually talks about that. Because also in John, if it talks about, I believe it's John, it talks about it that if you don't love each other, why are we doing this? If we don't love each other, and are trying to lift each other up, why are we doing all this? Because talking about being stirred, well, I think it's safe to say we're, we've been pretty stirred up. There's been some messages that have been very uh, thought-provoking, and if you're sitting through them, you're going, oh, man, would he get off that? Like, I don't want to look at that in myself. Like, I see that. I'm just speaking from personal experience. And... I think it's time now for us to move from a place of just being stirred up to getting together as the body of Christ and moving out of just being stirred. Move after what God has called us to and what God has promised this whole entire church because there is a great revival and outpouring of the Holy Ghost that is going to happen in this whole entire Bay Area. For the body of Christ, we have to stay closely tied together. We have to stay constantly connected, and we have to begin to move as a whole body out of a place of being stirred. I have, uh, like I said, I've been in church all my life, and I've seen this happen before is where church will get ready to just, I mean, revival's right there. Like, it is right there. And it's almost like this settling that happens. And it's sad and it's tragic because of not going after with fervency and with boldness what God has set before the church. So what I feel to do, and I've, I've felt this today, is we're just going to take some time at the end of this and we're going to pray as a body. And not just in our own little corner. Let's just pray together as a body. Let's take a season of time and let's pray. So if you stand.
I, uh, in the very short amount of time that I've, my wife and I have been here, we have quickly fallen in love with this church and everyone here. And uh, we are excited to see what's going to happen with this whole church. And I guess what I'm trying to get from my brain out to my mouth is when I sit up here on Sundays and I play instruments and stuff and I look out, the potential for this church is endless. God has put callings on people here. There are ministries being born, developed. There are people being healed, whether, like I said, whether it's in your body, in your mind, in your spirit. So let's not slow down and just settle for what we're feeling now. Because if you're, and I'm not intending to be harsh, but if you're praying and you're seeking after the Spirit, you can feel the stirring happening. You can start, you can feel it happening every time we gather together. The Holy Ghost will move into here and it just, it starts stirring it, stirring everything up. Let's not get happy at that point. Let's lift our hands.